freedom 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 over fame freedom over cycle stays the same welcome first of all welcome this is unsolicited perspectives i am your host bruce anthony thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your podcast and video podcast subscribe share like comment and rate us you can find us on instagram youtube and twitch at unsolicited underscore perspectives on twitter and tiktok at unsolicited underscore per watch us live every thursday night 7 30 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch our audience continues to grow with each and every episode and i humbly thank you on today's episode I'm going to be telling another personal story. This is going to be another personal episode where there was a situation that impacted four different lives. We're going to hear from three of those people today. But first things first. So like I said, today is a personal episode. It's about a situation that happened Right after I got divorced, it was the summer of 2012, uh, and this story impacts four people, three of which we'll be hearing from today, me, my brother, and another young lady. And I know what you're thinking, like, where the hell is this story going to go? How did whatever happened after Bruce's divorce affect three different people? Well, today's episode is going to be broken down into three segments. The first segment is I'm going to tell you my perspective of what happened that night that this situation happened. The second segment, I'm going to be interviewing uh, the young lady and she's going to tell me her perspective. In the third segment, my brother will not come on the show, uh, but he did send me he did write something to and sent it to me to read on air about his perception uh, perspective about what happened that night. And I'll conclude it all with all the perspectives and trying to really examine what happened. But I guess the most important thing that I need to do is I need to tell you my perspective of what happened that night. So here's the story. There's a backstage, there's a backstory content set context that's very that needs to be explained and understood. I was going through a divorce. In between moving out of the place that me and my ex-wife were, were living in, uh, I moved out first and then she moved out. Got to the point where we could no longer live in the same house. Uh, we hadn't decided that we were going to get a divorce, but I knew the day that I left that we were going to be getting a divorce. So I got a new apartment, uh, but my apartment, the one, because I had, I'm very particular, wouldn't be ready for a week. So for that week... I moved into my parents' house, um, figured it'd just be a week that I would stay there. I could commute back and forth to go to work. Wasn't that big of a deal. My new apartment was going to be on the other side of town so I wouldn't run into my ex-wife. Uh, but let's just say that I was less than thrilled about going through a divorce. Uh, divorce is never easy. There's embarrassment and there's a sense of failure. And somebody like me... Uh, who really doesn't like to fail. The divorce was challenging emotionally and, and extremely humbling. And then having to be at the house with 
my parents and my brother and sister uh, was difficult because, you know, as we said in the last episode, I don't really open up and express vulnerability, uh, but they knew that I was going through a tough time, but I wasn't talking about it. So I'm holding a lot of things inside. My brother, being the wonderful person that he is, we talk a lot of ish about, about my brother. But one thing that he is, is somebody that you can count on when you're going through something very difficult. So my brother, it was the weekend coming up, this weekend before I was going to move into my new place. Uh, so I'm still staying at the house. I don't move in until I think Sunday. So Friday night, he said, hey, why don't we go into the city? Because my parents live in Upper Montgomery County or they, they that house was in Upper Montgomery County. My brother said, hey, when we go into the city, go to your favorite club, have a good time. I said, OK, cool. He said, the whole thing is on me. I said, on you? OK, yeah, let's go. So we go into the city. We take the metro into the city. Uh, we come back that night, taking the metro back. And, and anybody that's kn- that knows the Washington, D.C. area in Upper Montgomery County, we literally have to take the metro to the last line on the red line, which is Shady Grove Metro, and then drive to my parents' house. Uh, but we figured that ride, because the metro takes so long, um, we would sober up because it was going to take at least an hour. On this particular night, like most nights on the D.C. metro, uh, it was running on a single track. So that meant that the ride was exceptionally long. <clears throat> a lot of drunk people on the, uh, on the Metro and, you know, the Metro, the, the, my brother told me, cause he rode the Metro oftentimes coming back to the city is it's like your last chance to get some macking, right? Like you see a group of people, you go, uh, you bunch of young ladies or a bunch of young men, you, you know, you want to step to it, talk to, you know, that's what you do on the Metro. I'm not really engaging in all of that because I'm still technically we hadn't decided that we were getting divorced, but we moved out like you're getting divorced, but, but I'm loyal and I'm married, so I'm not hollering at anything. So we see a young lady, she's all by herself, clearly intoxicated. Um, and she's sitting on the Metro and a young man came up to her and started talking to her. Not thinking anything of it. You know, you Metro pimping. So we get to one stop and it's like four stops before Shady Grove, but there was some work that needed to be done on the track. So they prepared a shuttle from one metro station to the next metro station where we could get back on the train to get to the Shady Grove metro station. And just about everybody that was on that train was heading towards either one of the last three stops, you know, like Rockville or Shady Grove. So when we get to this metro station that we have to take the shuttle we see that the young lady is getting off the metro with the man hey they parking lot pimping do your thing the only problem was is that one group the group that's going to the shuttle which was just about everybody is going in one direction to go catch the shuttle and her and this gentleman that she just met are going in another direction towards the exit And me and my brother are watching this and my brother was like, this doesn't look good. And I said to my, I said to him like, yeah, you know, this is just what I was thinking. This doesn't look good. He said, maybe we should follow him to see where they're going because she's intoxicated. I said, yeah, let's do that. Credit to my brother. Um, He ran ahead of me to catch up with them. When I finally caught up with them, he says, Bruce, she's supposed to be going to Boston. Let me explain what that means. Boston is on the 
orange line in Virginia. We are on the red line towards upper Montgomery County. Not only is it a different state, it's on a, it's a completely different direction on the metro. There's no way to get to the Boston metro station on the red line. She didn't realize it because she was so drunk that she was she had headed in the wrong direction. So we find out that the guy had offered to give her a ride home. And I looked at him and I said, because we're in Maryland at this point. I said, you're going to drive her at two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning from here all the way to Virginia. And I asked her, I said, have you do, like, do you know this person? She was like, no, I just met him. And I said, hey, I'm going to be real honest with you. This doesn't look good. I don't know him, but I don't think that you should necessarily go with him. You know, we can get off at this metro stop. Uh, the metro is basically closing, so you can't take the metro back. But we could go up on the platform and we could try and call and get you a taxi or something like that um, because you're like you're not heading in the right direction. And I don't trust that this person is going to look out for your best interest. This just, just doesn't look good. At that point, the young man is getting heated because essentially we're messing up his game. In my opinion, he had no intention to take her home. He was going to take her back to his place. Uh, so he's getting heated and he kind of lunges at my brother. Once again, take it to account the backstory. I'm going through a divorce. I'm not at the most emotionally stable point in my entire life. I am completely emotionally unstable and I'm trying to hold it together so those people close to me don't see what I'm actually going through. And he lunges at my brother. I don't remember what happens next. I literally read out, not blackout, read out. I've only read out twice in my life. A red out is when you just see a flash of red and you have no control. And I've only done that two or three times in my life. That was thankfully the last time I did it. Uh, there's a flash of red. The next thing I know, we're out on the street parking lot. I have him on the ground and I'm punching him in the face. Where we started, where we started was inside the metro. So supposedly I had taken him up two flights of stairs through some double doors and slammed to the, to, to the ground and, and was punching him in the face. The only thing that stopped me was that in that fit of rage, at some point I looked back at her and she was terrified, absolutely terrified. And in that moment, I, I realized that I made the situation worse. Like she was already disoriented because she was intoxicated. But now I, I turned this into a violent situation where I'm trying to help her. Why should she trust somebody that turned violent like that? So my brother is consoling her. And I, I, the guy runs off. Uh, and I go, I think the guy runs off. I don't actually remember. Um, I go up to her and I said, hey, look, let's try and find you a taxi home. Um, we couldn't find her a taxi home. I said, look, you don't know me. You don't know my brother. You have no reason to trust us, but we can take the Metro back to my parents' house 
and I will drive you back. Because I, I just moved from that area in Virginia. That was the reason why I left that part out. There was a reason why I knew that she was in the wrong direction because I, I just literally lived in that close to that section of Arlington, Alexandria. Like I'm from that area. And so I said, hey, look, I will, we can ride back to my parents' house and uh, I will get my car and I will drive you back home and uh, so that you that you get home safely. And I did. You know, it, I didn't get back home uh, until like four thirty, six o'clock in the morning because it was already late. And that drive is basically 45 minutes. So it was about an hour and a half, um, hour, 45 minutes, the round trip. And the whole time, uh, me and my brother were just consoling her because she was distraught. Um, and why wouldn't she be? She doesn't know where she is. She's a little intoxicated. She was about to go with this stranger. And now she's going with two other strangers. Um, never mind the fact that there's a racial component to this. This is a young white girl going with two black men. Um, and, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm going to ask her that question. Did that ever cross her mind? But, um, you know, most women in that scenario would be a little fearful and, and, and that's not racist. I don't believe it's the propagandist things that the media will portray about certain groups of people uh, that you should be fearful. Um, but she wasn't. Uh, she trusted me. Um, I got her home safe and sound. And through the years, because this was, all, this was 10 years ago, it was over 10 years ago, uh, we've kept in touch through social media. And then when I started this podcast, I said, hey, this story has always impacted me for several different reasons. It was a moment in time where I was going through a really tough situation emotionally. Uh, the super Superman complex, you know, part of me says, you know, I saved her, right? Like I should feel good about that. And it was the way that I saved her and my actions in that moment, I, I, I've had some feelings of, and we've, through the years, and like I said, we're we're not friends, but friendly. Um, kept in touch, but never like hung out. Seen seen her out in a couple of different places and said hello, um, but never like hung out and never talked about what happened. And I said, "Hey, would you come on the show and and tell your perspective of the story?" Because there's four point of views. And I don't know who that guy was. I'll, I'll probably never find out who that guy was. Uh, I think it's too late for me to be charged with assault. I think the statute of limitations is over on that. So maybe I could put out a failure and, and try to find him. I would love to understand that perspective. Probably wouldn't admit if it was up to something nefarious. Um, but but there was my brother's uh, perspective, which was slightly different from mine. My my version of the story, and then I, all these years, I wondered what was her version of the story. So after some back and forth, and a little bit of negotiating, not financial negotiations, she, she doesn't want to say her name, and she doesn't want to appear on camera. And I'm going to respect that because uh, that's what she asked. And she said to me, in agreeing to this, it was like, yeah. I want to talk about this because I, I do think it's important. And it is. I, I think it's an important story, uh, not just for the three lives that were affected because of this incident, but also a story of women being safe out there. So 
that's my version of the story. We're going to get into it more. Next up is my interview with her. Um, I have no good segment break for that. Only thing I have to say is I'm looking forward to talking to her and finding out what her solicited, get it, get that, solicited perspective was on that night. So, ladies and gentlemen, I told you my version of the story, but uh, now I'm going to be interviewing Allie, who's going to be telling me her version of the story. First of all, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'm looking forward to hearing your perspective about what happened that night. Sure. No, uh, thank you for having me on. Almost, was it, 10 years later? <laughs> I, I actually, I was... Uh, the backstory was that this was like right during my divorce. So it was actually 11 years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I was close. <laughs> yeah. It was 11 years ago. Uh, but so let's, let's jump right into it. Um, can you describe your recollection of what happened that night? Um, and can you tell me what was your state of mind just from getting on the Metro? Sure. Sure. So I had recently just moved up to the D.C. area mm -hmm. right after college. Um, I spent uh, I grew up in Tennessee and I and I went to school in Tennessee. So I think I was about 23 years old at the time. Um, mm -hmm. And I was excited to be, you know, smaller town girl in a big new city. Um, mm -hmm. I was working at a pretty low level job, obviously, considering my age at the time. And I was out for drinks um, with two male colleagues from work. Mm -hmm. Good friends. Um, I would consider that very much now a binge drinking event. Um, definitely more than four to five drinks consumed by a 23-year-old woman mm -hmm. kind of alters your perception of reality, um, which I think is a big, huge part of the story. Um, but we were in DuPont Circle, and I needed to head back to the Arlington area. Mm -hmm. And I went to the Metro to get on, and I got on the red line and fell asleep on the metro and mm. did not uh, switch lines where I needed to. Um, and I guess that's kind of, you know, upon waking up is when I ran into you. Well, okay. So wait a minute. Upon waking up is when you, when you it, ran I mean, that's why I said the binge drinking comes into play here because wow. I don't very much remember. I, there's some little, there's a little bit of, it's hazy here and there, but mm -hmm. I remember sitting next to, a guy and going mm -hmm. in and out of sleep. And I very much left to get on the Metro alone by myself to head home to Arlington. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So that's interesting. So you don't really even know what your state of mind was. I mean, obviously you were not blackout because if you're going in and out, probably browning out, but you don't yeah. really remember the interaction with the guy approaching you. I don't, I do not know. I remember waking up and you asking me, do you know this person? Do you know this person? And then getting off the Metro and then the events that escalated from there. Okay. So as I told the people in the first segment, we've never really had a conversation about what right. happened that night um, at all these years. And, and, and as, as I told the people, we're friendly, like we've, we've know each other through social media and we've accidentally run into each other yeah. out just because yeah. we live in the same area, but we never hung out and we've never talked about this. So I can tell you that um, 
me and my brother who were sitting across, not directly across from me, but across the aisle, saw mm-hmm. that you were going in and out, but we thought that you and this gentleman were having a conversation. So what happened was, is that we had to get off at a, at a metro stop. I believe it was, I can't remember, but uh, we're right outside of the city. We're right on that line between DC and Montgomery County. Mm-hmm. And we had to take a shuttle to the next station because there was some there's as always in DC, there was construction going on in the tracks. So as we're all leaving and most of the people on that Metro were taking the shuttle because Mm -hmm. most people were heading to the destination, which was Rockville Shady Grove. As everybody is heading towards the exit to go to the shuttle, you and him head off to another exit. And that's when my brother says to me, this doesn't look right. And I say, I was thinking the same thing. So we follow you guys. And that's when my brother finds out that you were supposed to be going to, I think, Boston or Clarendon. Boston, yeah. Yeah, Boston. And I said, there, you are on the red line. You Mm -hmm. are in Maryland right now. So this is where the story picks up here is where I'm coming to. Because at this point, I'm just kind of, as many people that have drank far too much, you don't really realize what's going on around you. You don't really have a sense of danger. You're just kind of going with the flow. And as soon as two larger build men start talking to me and asking me pointed questions, I start getting scared, which mm. is when I'm starting to come t- back to reality here. Okay. So in that moment that you're starting to come back to reality, uh, what's going on through your mind? I'm in trouble. I'm in uh-huh. trouble. I don't know where I am. I haven't been in this city long enough to really know where the boundaries are of Montgomery County or Maryland or Virginia. I'm now around three different men that I don't know. Um, and I just kind of go into a little bit of a panic mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I remember you guys kind of driving the situation from there. Okay. So from that point, what do you remember happening after that? I just remember realizing that the person that kept saying he was with me, he was with me. I had never seen before. Mm. Um, and that's when I remember sort of the physical altercation that happened Um, and me being far away from it, seeing it happen and just getting, being very, very scared and relieved and scared at the same time. And I don't know. And I mean, I can add part of this too. As I said, I grew up in Tennessee in a very small town in Tennessee. There is not much diversity in Tennessee at all. I was going to get to that. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I grew up in a very liberal family. Um, mm-hmm. but I know I've chosen not to be on camera, but I'm uh, a Caucasian five, four woman. Um, and I just haven't had much interaction with people outside of my, you know, ethnicity throughout mm-hmm. my life at this point. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I think, you know, and I've dated people of all colors, I have friends of all colors, but at that point in my life, I think it's an important aspect of it, that mm-hmm. it is even more of a foreign situation for me. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Um, so, so yeah, I was going to, I was going to get to that later uh, okay. because there, there was a, I always tell the story and it has a profound impact on me from a very different angles, but this is about yours. So when I have the physical, physical altercation with the guy, I, I tell the story I read out. So it's only happened to me a couple of times in my life where I get so angry that I see red and it's just, I don't know what happens. Mm-hmm. So I know the only thing that snapped me out of that moment was I look back at you and my brother's kind of consoling you and you are hysterically crying. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm 
me and my brother were here to try and help this young lady. And here I am losing my temper, beating the hell out of this guy. I need to get back to helping her. What was going on in your head? You said you were scared, relieved, scared, relieved. Um, what did you think was happening at that moment? And what, what did you think was going to happen to you at that moment? So I'll say this, and this is something I've thought about over time in the last last 10 years. I think people do have an instinct of, of good and evil, um, mm -hmm. right and wrong. And I think there's just something that came through at that moment of trust these, trust these people. Mm -hmm. These two strangers stepped in. Um, clearly, they perceived danger that I hadn't perceived myself, kind of woke me up to it. And I'm scared. It's late at night. I'm coming out of clearly a very far too much drinking. But, it, you know, something inside me said, trust these guys. And it's really there's no much more than I can I can explain from that. Hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned the the race portion of it because I've I've never there's I think there's a difference in the pe between people that, you know, are quote unquote racist and people that are just unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. Um and I think that's really important stuff. You know, I've dated people of different ethnicities since then, and I see it. I've seen it bringing guys home with me, which mm has -hmm. been, and you know, it's just looking back. There's it's such a multifaceted sort of situation that I went through. But yeah, yeah I guess to roundabout way of answering your question, it was just a feeling of these are good people. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I'll take that. Even after um, I lose my temper and attack this this guy. Um, you still feel like, mm -hmm. okay, I, I yep. can trust these guys. Yeah. Well, I also don't have much of a, at this point, what are my choices? Mm. You know, do I, do I call the police? I don't think so. These guys have stepped in. As I said, there was just a feeling that I should trust these guys. And that's what I went with. I went with my instinct at the time. And I'm glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and there was something that you brought up that I'd absolutely forgotten. Um, that that guy was consistently saying, we're friends, we're friends. Mm -hmm. And my brother and I, I completely forgot that mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, no, bro. Like I saw you Metro pimping. That's what my brother used to call it. Like Ugh. on the Metro late at night, uh, there's groups of people. And I remember like um, uh, how I met your mother even talked about that, like on the Metro or the, the, the train, like at, after drunk nights, group of people, they try to holler at each other, get to know each other or whatever, because it's kind of like the last call moment. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, he's, he's Metro pimping, Ugh. but it just didn't, it just didn't look right. Um, so what do you remember after that? What do you remember as far as, uh, okay, I'm going to trust these guys. What is your next recollection of the events that happened after that? I remember you driving me home. I remember, and we were not close to Boston. This was, no. this was quite the drive. Yeah. And I remember you just being very warm and friendly. And I think you said this, something along the lines of, you know, in a very caring way, brotherly way, sweetheart, you cannot get that drunk on the Metro again. You can't get that drunk on the Metro again. And I've taken that, that to like heart it. in the last <laughs> 10 years. And I shared that advice, well, you know, cause I had shared with you that I was newer to the city and, mm -hmm. you know, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> mm -mm. You know, you have yeah. to have your wits about you, particularly as a woman. But I do remember that right home. And this is so funny. I don't remember, you remember this. We get to, uh, I was living in a, one of those houses, you know, you have a ton of roommates and we pull up. You said, hey, 
would it be okay if I use your bathroom really quickly? <laughs> and at this point, I'm just like overwhelmed with emotions. I feel a little bit of shame. I feel like <laughs> so happy. I think I started crying and gave you a hug. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just ended up being you know, something I've thought about to this day. And I've, you know, I've said it to friends before and the few times that we've randomly seen each other out, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've thanked you for that. I mean, that was potentially a life altering, a really traumatic awful event that could have gone in the other way and changed the course of my life. Yeah, I I do. (laughs) That's another aspect you brought up. It was really like (laughs) in my head during that time, I'm uh, the This is where the racial component comes up. I Mm -hmm. have this young white girl uh, that doesn't know anything about me. Doesn't know that my ex-wife was actually white, but doesn't know anything about me Mm -hmm. that has agreed to let me drive her home. But here's something that you don't remember, or maybe you do, or you, or, or I'm going to spark a memory. Mm-hmm. We took the Metro and then we got in, I think it was my brother's car or I had driven to the Metro and we drove to my parents' house because I had to drop my brother off. I and do then, remember this now. You just like yeah. unlocked a memory. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to drive to my parents' house from the Metro because I had to switch cars and then drive from my parents' house. So you entrusted us, because we were telling you, it's like, look, we have to change out cars. My brother, I think, had to go to work the next morning. Mm-hmm. So I had to drop him off, because it's like two or three o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. And and and, I, and I'm thinking to myself, all I'm trying to do is help this young lady. But good God, this is a lot of trust. And my brother's not as big as I am, but you know, I'm six foot four, I'm 230 pounds, 250 pounds at that point. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I'm this giant black man that she's trusted. And and I could tell because you had a little twang, I could tell she's from the South. And I was like, wow, this is this is a, a lot of trust that you have in a black man. And so, yes, when I got to your house, I had to go to the bathroom so badly. But I was so I was like, I actually you offered to let me go in the bathroom. I said, hey, I'm just going, before I leave, I don't want to scare you. I'm just going to go ahead and go pee in these bushes. And he's like, you can come in and use the restroom. I was like, I just didn't want to ask. I didn't want to make you uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, that's, I I do remember that. Um, yeah. At any point during the drive and the ride after the fact, when you when I said, okay, I'll take you back home, because I, I think we looked for, taxis uh-huh because this, this is, before, is well before uber and lyft well before oh and, yeah and and actually i don't want to put your business out there like that you didn't have any money That's so <laughs> yeah you didn't have any money so i was like oh god this taxi ride is gonna be and we just couldn't because i was going to send you home in a taxi mm-hmm. we just couldn't find any taxis and i said hey look i'll drive you home was there any any time during that drive because it was a drive from germantown maryland mm-hmm. to boston was there any time during that? And I know I was consoling you and, and trying to tell you to, everything was going to be okay. But was there any time that you was like, what the hell? What the hell am I in right now? I mean, I think it was very much a wake up call for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, what the hell? Or, or, Allie. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll cut that, that out. All right, yeah, I'll cut it out. <laughs> you know, I said, what the hell to myself? You know, I was disappointed in my actions and the way I put myself in danger, you know helps that I would have made those people who care about me and love me if anything would have happened. And, you know, I don't like, I don't victim blame women, but I do think there is a responsibility you have of how much alcohol you put into your body and what kind of position you put yourself in from those choices. 
you know? Um, and so, no, I was just overcome with, you know, with emotion and being thankful. And, and I just think there's, Bruce, it's just part of your energy that made me feel like it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Despite the shame and weird situation I had gotten myself into. Uh, well, I, I don't, my personal opinion, but I can't tell you how to feel, right? I don't think you should feel any shame. You were young. Uh, we have all been there and put ourselves through tough situations where we'd be drinking. Uh, but you brought up something, and, and I'll let you go with this. You brought up something that uh, I didn't even think about. Because when I asked you to come on, uh, I had no idea how it affected you. Because like I said, we had never talked about it. And you mm -hmm. said you 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 sent me a link to a story of something that happened in Boston uh -huh. that that was Boston, very Massachusetts. Yeah, yep. that was very similar mm -hmm. to the situation if your situation had gone left and you said something to where you was like, yeah, you tell your friends about it. Mm -hmm. Um can you touch on that just a little bit before I let you go? Oh, absolutely. I mean, am I am I completely sober? No. But do I like to go out and have a few drinks with my friends sometimes? Yes. Yeah, it's fun. You know, I've told my friends, if you've got a few drinks, take an Uber, take a lift home. Do not get on public transportation, particularly by yourself mm -hmm. at night. It's just not worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's been some situations. I remember two or three years ago, I was in Clarendon out and I saw a weird altercation between a man and a woman and he was grabbing her arm and she was clearly very intoxicated. And I went over to the police. I said, hey, 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 come here. They don't they don't know each other. They don't know each other and, and mm -hmm. brought the cops over. You know, and I think that's important that we continue to look out for one another. But it really has affected me um, because, like I've said, you know, I, when I saw that that uh, that situation happen in Boston maybe two or three years ago, it really did strike a chord with me of that could have happened to me. And so, you know, I like to pay it forward in terms of advice. And also if I see, you know, lack of a better term, see something, say something. Yeah. Well, Allie, I, I just want to once again thank you for coming on. You, I don't know. Uh, I I have this Superman hero complex, and it, and it's a little selfish, but it makes me feel good that uh, you have these type of feelings about the incident. And thank you, one for making me feel good, <laughs> but thank you for, most importantly for coming on the show and and sharing your sub your side of what happened that night and i think a lot of people especially a lot of women that listen to this and not just women men as well these things happen to men as well um can learn from this and that's the reason why it's important to share the story so thank you yeah no thank you for giving me the platform if even one person hears this and changes the behavior on a friday or saturday night then that has can have ramifications well down the road that are really important so Thank you so much. It's good to see you. It's good to see you too. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow, that was touching. Um, like I said, personally, uh, and I told Allie this when we got off air, that um, I was going through a really tough time at that moment. And so... I was always going to help her. Uh, it, it wouldn't have mattered if I was going through a tough time or not. Uh, I was always going to help her. Um, that's a part of who I am. Um, but I told her uh, that helping her that night helped give me a bright spot in my life at a very dark time. 
that uh, that moment where I could help a complete stranger um, gave me, I don't know, solace or joy. Uh, it took away the pain that I was dealing with for a little bit of the time. Um, and to and to hear, like I said, we had never really talked about that. And to hear how that night impacted her and how grateful she was for, for me helping her. And I told her that that feeling is mutual because I'm grateful for her helping me. Because uh, she did. I was going through a rough time. And helping her in that moment made me feel good about myself. And I know that I already did the vulnerability episode last week. Uh, but that's letting in. I have a few friends that are going through divorces right now. This is directly towards them or anybody going through a tough time. It could be darkness that you're going through at that particular time, but you can make your way through it. And even in that darkness, just be kind to people. You never know what you do, how it can affect the next person. Uh, my brother's side of the story. He tells a side of the story that's basically the same, except his side of the story includes him. It, he tells the story that I kept trying to knock the guy out and I couldn't knock him out. I don't remember that. Um, I do know for the fact that I did not knock him out. Uh, <laughs> so that hurt my ego a little bit uh, that I did not knock him out. Um, but that's what my brother said. He was like, yeah, you kept trying to knock him out, but you couldn't. But first of all, I jumped on the first and, and I was like, no, you didn't, bro. You didn't jump on him first. He lunged at you. And that's when I read out because my brother says, <laughs> there's been a joke for all these years that I yelled out when he lunged for my brother. That's my brother. Because that's how I feel. That is my brother. You're not going to sit there and try and attack attack my brother. I've been the big brother all their lives, and I will never stop being the big brother as far as being a protector. But it's not just a big brother thing. That's just you know who I am. Um, so my brother, you know, has that's his version of events. But pretty much they fall in line with what I what I uh, told earlier, and that uh, you know we. We convinced her that uh, we were going to make sure she got home safely. She trusted us um, and I got her home safely. And that's, uh, that was the only thing that was on my mind was get this young lady home safely because she doesn't know where she is. And um, that's got to be scary. Um, so, yeah, this was this was really cool to, to kind of revisit this. Um, talk to her get her perspective on it. Um, the important thing uh, that you could take away from this is to help people best you can. I got into a debate one time with, a, with an ex-girlfriend. I'm not going to say who. I don't tell other people's stories unless they give me permission. But while she was in college, she had an abusive ex. And when I say an abusive ex, like he used to beat her ass. He beat her ass. I mean, like she told me stories of like him straight up punching. And unfortunately, um, these stories are far too common. I I'll often talk about how many female friends that I have. And um, I worked at the crisis center when I was at college. 
And oftentimes women are attacked, abused, and it doesn't get reported. And it's funny when I talk to, to men now and they say, this whole Me Too movement, you can't do anything, bruh. Shut the hell up. The Me Too movement was one of the greatest things that can ever happen to women. Because trust me, there are far, far, far more real stories than there ever would be of women making stuff up. Are there times when women make stuff up? Of course. Like, of course there are. But the comparison of how oftentimes what, ha- what they're saying is true and how oftentimes that they're saying is false, there, there is no comparison. It's overwhelmingly the majority, like 99.5% of the cases, it's truth. It's what really happened. And the Me Too movement just brought to light how often women are silenced from voicing their abuse. Back to the story with my ex. So we were at a location one time, uh, you know, bar type atmosphere. And there was this couple and they were arguing. And God was getting handsy. Now he wasn't hitting her, wasn't hitting her when he was grabbing up on her. So I braced up and made my presence felt. She told me as a former person that suffered abuse from a significant other to not intervene. I said, that goes against every fiber of my being. I have to at least make my presence felt. I can't let something like that slide. And she said, well, you can do that. And you could beat them up, but she's going to get worse when she gets home. And I was like, holy crap. I never even thought about that. Now, would that stop me? If I beat him up bad enough, then he won't have the energy to do anything later. And I can always offer help to the young lady. The basic principle of me, I just can't let something like that slide. So I made my presence felt and I kept moving closer and closer and closer. Uh, until he calmed down because I was staring at him and I was letting him know this ain't going to fly. And, and we had it back and forth and I told her, Hey, this is who I am. I am going to stand up for the people that sometimes can't stand up for themselves. Cause that's kind of the way that I was raised. My parents told me, you don't ever be the bully. Don't ever be the bully. But you can show enough beat the bully's ass. And there was a lot of times I fought fights that weren't mine because I felt like that those people that were being picked on needed help. And yes, that's my Superman complex. And yes, that's me constantly being a hero. And there is something behind that that I probably need to examine through therapy. But if I'm helping people, then I'm going to keep on doing it. And what Allie told me let me know that I made the right decision in that situation. So once again, I want to thank her for coming on. Uh, I want to thank my brother too for giving me his tidbit, even though he wouldn't come on. He could have came on and did this at least, you know, what she did. If he didn't want to make himself visible, he could have came on and did this, but I love him. I respect what he's doing. And, uh, 
he's doing big things and you no, know, that's okay. He, he, he wrote something to me, but basically it was, you know, douchey dude, you gave him a two piece, couldn't knock him out. And then we took it home. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's basically the synopsis of the story. Um, so there you go. I got personable. I got personal for back-to-back episodes. It ain't happening no more. Like that, that's it. That that is the last really emotional, personal thing I'm going to talk about. Um, <laughs> it's probably not. I'll probably let y'all into the, the gated doors to my emotions a little bit more. But um, if you see something, say something, help out your fellow man, have compassion. And if you're going through that darkness, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Trust me, there is. And on that note, until next time, I'll holler. Thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and donate. Donations help us keep giving you this free content each and every week. Until next time, Audi 5000. Peace.